You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, buenos dias. I want to say good morning and buenos dias to everybody out there. And uh, first of all, just a big shout out to the mighty metro region. As uh, I know, we have uh, a lot of watchers and listeners throughout the LA basin. And uh, but also, also want to say uh, greetings to those across the country and around the world. Uh, my understanding is we've got some people. Uh, as far away as Italy, I think the Skags are in Sicily and uh, Reeds in Germany and possibly a couple in Spain and in Mexico. But greetings to everybody. Um, this is uh, a sign of some wild times that we're all going through. And uh, I'm excited that we get this time together, even though uh, we can't see each other face to face. But thanks to uh, modern technology, we can still connect, even though we're in many, many different places. So I'm going to jump right in to the lesson this morning. Um, you know, the lesson is titled uh, 365 or 365. And uh, um, I wasn't sure what to call this lesson. I thought about uh, calling it Don't Be a Scared. Uh, but then I thought, nah, um, 365. Why 365? 365 because there are 365 verses in the Bible, where God tells us to not be afraid. There's actually a website, I think it's uh, three, uh, nofear365.com, where you can get a scripture sent to you every day uh, that talks that, that encourages us not to be afraid or not to be as scared. Um, obviously, that's a big topic right now. Uh, fear is a major factor in our lives. And... Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of fear out there. There's some, there's some, uh, odd, I, you know, I've been studying fear all week and, um, there's some strange fears out there. There's porphyrophobia. You might know, well, what is that? That is the fear of the color purple. There's uh chetophobia, and that is the fear of hairy people. Um, and then there's levophophobia, levophophobia. There's the fear of things on your left side. And then, of course, there's always the phobophobia, which is just a fear of fear. Yeah, there's some funny ones out there. But in reality, you know, we, we really are going through uh, a very real time of fear, a time of global fear. I mean, with all the things on the news and, and uh, you know, if you're like me, you just you want to know what's going on. You want to know what's the latest and things are changing so quickly. And there is just a lot of fear out there. Uh, the store lines, the, you know, running out of toilet paper. Who would have thought that? Um, the chaos of, of trying to buy something, anything really. But I heard about a person getting, two women getting in a fight because somebody's cart touched somebody and uh, just crazy stuff. And, and on the internet, of course, there's lots of discussion. There's this website that I ran across uh, that has literally second by second updates of the spread of the virus and uh and there was uh the moment that I turned it on there was about 80,000 people watching it and I thought wow you know what what uh, this is this is really uh, a very unique and lifetime experience that we are having with fear and fear is a huge topic obviously 365 verses god must consider it something important to communicate for us 
as his people to not fear. And fear is a factor that's, um, it's kind of the man behind the curtain. There are many things that happen to us. There are many things that come out of fear in our lives. You know, I look at, uh, I was looking at a word cloud, uh, the things associated with fear, you know, of course, stress. And that's, I mean, there's tons of books and TED talks and, and, and information about stress. And of course, anxiety, which is like the, the, uh, another plague of our, of our times of so much struggling with anxiety and, uh, just being upset, being afraid, being, um, worried, depressed, uh, with the things associated with fear. And, um, you know, the, the, of course the, the commonly discussed biggest fear of all, I think probably commonly known is the fear of death. Um, uh, I ran across this joke, three, three guys at a funeral and, um, they're watching the funeral and the one guy says, you know, I hope at my funeral, they talk about what a great doctor I was and how much I served my community. And the second guy says, you know, I hope at my funeral, they talk about what a great husband I was and what a great father I was. And I hope that's what they say. And the third guy goes, I hope at my funeral, somebody says, look, he's moving. He's not dead, (laughs) which I think, you know, kind of illustrates how much we don't want to deal with death. Um, It is a big one. Um, The big fears that we have, death, suffering, loneliness, being unloved, being worthless, being unimportant, being powerless. You know, people always talk about public speaking. I find that hard to believe, but I know it's a practical fear that we run into and everybody has to some degree. Even even, uh, we were just joking about before we started right now, I had the jitters, a little bit of the jitters, because I've just never done this before, and hoping that I can still be me in front of a camera when I'm not speaking to to live people. But um, uh, I heard somebody once say that public speaking fear is actually greater than death fear, so people would rather be the guy in the coffin than be the guy giving the eulogy. Um, Find that hard to believe. Death is a huge fear. And all these major fears that are behind the scenes that uh, bear fruit in our lives, that cause us to worry, to struggle with anxiety, mistrust, defensiveness, blame shifting, anger, avarice, anxiety, separation, to hide, to to be deceitful, to manipulate our situations, and oftentimes to make bad decisions, uh, seeking security in the wrong things or safety in the wrong things, practicing control to try not be in danger. Uh, forcing things, craving comfort as in a, a way to alleviate our fears, uh, material things, money, pleasure, addictions, hypocrisy, judgmentalism, prejudice. A lot of this, it's rooted in fear. And of course, the Bible addresses this because it is a human struggle, a human weakness. We all struggle with it. And I was just, as I was going through the scriptures you know, from Adam and Eve, you know, being afraid of God and hiding Moses, being afraid when he was called and, you know, basically saying, why me? I stutter, give let somebody else, you know, the, the 12 spies who, who were sent in and, and, and gave in to fear and lost the promised land, a whole generation lost the promise because of their fear, Joshua, um, being told seven times right at the beginning of the first, I believe it's in the first paragraph of be strong and courageous, you know, not to be afraid. Uh, 
Saul uh, being afraid and not waiting on the Lord to make the sacrifice. In fact, really his whole life was plagued by fear and he lost his role. He lost the blessing to be the king of Israel and the future plans that God had for him. And we know he had this struggle from the beginning because when he was supposed to be anointed, they found him hiding in the closet. And um, and right from the beginning, like uh, Gideon, he when he was called, said, you know, who am I? I'm, am I not from the least of the tribes? Am I not a Benjamite? And, and of course, he was very focused on himself, which is usually what happens when we are giving into fear. We get focused on ourselves. Um, David being unafraid, the opposite. You contrast Saul to David or, or even to his son, Jonathan, who went with the armor bearer, went up the hill and said, let's go up and see what the Lord will do. And you see the difference in the focus between a Saul who was so concerned about himself and how he looked, even when he came back from the sacrifice, he said, he said, walk back with me so that people will see you with me. He was more afraid of how he looked than he was of God and what God thought. And of course, Gideon, you know, great hero, but he started out scared. Here, here he was hiding in the wine press. Um, Elijah, after, after great victories, uh, being succumbed by fear, and running from Jezebel, Esther having to overcome her fear and become what God wanted her to be, who saved her people. And the apostles, uh, everything from the little scenes of being afraid of Jesus walking on water to, to even being reluctant to leave Jerusalem, and God had to push them out to spread the gospel. And then, of course, the book of Hebrews, a whole entire book, really in, in, a, in, a, in one way you could define it as a book of overcoming fear, uh, having faith over fear. And there's more and more, more, many more examples. And the opposite, of course, is being confident, being faithful, finding peace, shalom, that uh, very special place where you're confident, where you're secure, where you have a healthy mind, a healthy body, a healthy soul um, that God calls us. Fear is... So often talked about, and I, and, and I do want to address, you know, the, the, there's a good fear out there. You know, the, the, the Hebrew word yirah, which is the reverence, a holy fear. Because we, a lot of times we, we know some of these scriptures, well, how do you, how do you balance out um, Proverbs 9, 10? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. There's a good fear, a healthy fear. Um, it is the reverent fear, the, the holy fear that we respect and we revere God. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. That uh, this, is, this is not the same kind of fear. This is a, a different kind of fear. There's another fear, pahad, uh, which is to tremble, to dread, to be in fear of. And there's, you know, when we're in danger or also when there's something bad imminent. Um, Isaiah 19, 16 says, In that day the Egyptians will become weaklings. They will shudder with fear at the uplifted hand that the Lord Almighty raises against them. You know, that, that sometimes fear is good. It keeps us from doing stupid things and from living ways we shouldn't live and to recognize imminent danger. Of course, the Greek, the New Testament side, the word is phobos, um, uh, probably one of the scriptures we grab onto most in 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, 
but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. You know, fear is supposed to be driven out and we in our relationship, although we always revere God, that we always should be in awe of God and we need to make sure that we are, but the overriding sentiment, the overriding compelling force should be love. Uh, Paul said, for Christ's love compels me. It's what drives me. It's what motivates me. And I, and I know that it's, it's what drew most of us to church. It's what drew most of us to becoming Christians. It wasn't somebody's clever arguments or scriptural uh, basis or, or even the doctrine necessarily. It was the love that we saw at church. It was the love that we experienced. It was uh, the love we felt in the fellowship. Fear. Um, in Luke one fifty, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. This is the, the healthy fear, the reverence. Well, what should I fear? Well, Jesus said, I tell you, my friend, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I think this is a great one, especially for right now, as we uh, can't help but to be concerned about what's happening in our world. And we're hearing about so many people dying. And, and um, you know, he says, do not be afraid of the one that can only take your life. Be the one, be afraid of the one who can take your life and punish you afterwards. Be the the only one that we should be afraid of is the Lord. But again, that is a healthy fear. And not be afraid of what's going to happen here and how much God loves us. And I want to talk about that more because I think understanding God's love and his commitment to us is the vaccine for fear, is the answer to it. Um, in John 14, of course, we Jesus addresses our fears, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. You believe in, you believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. You know, I... Um, appreciate this scripture. There's a lot in here, and I want to take a minute to unpack this. You know, he, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. The, I have above the, the, the paragraph there, the word in, in Greek, um, parasesto. And, 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 and the word is, the positive side of the word is to be organized, to be ordered, to be well-placed. This word is to be disorganized, to be un- uh, unset, unsettled, and to have you know the things not in the right place, which really is what it is. What worry is is not having your mind set right, thinking of the wrong things or viewing things wrong. So it's it's literally could be translated: don't let your hearts be disorganized. It's it's have your heart set 
right. He says, you believe in God. That, that's the word, of course, faith, pistos, or Hebrew emuna, which means to trust, to rely on, to, to, to be confident in. He says, you, you have your faith in God. You trust God. You're confident in God. Well, then trust and be confident in Jesus as well. And again, I want, I want to, I have a lot more to say about that, but I think that is key to dealing with fear, all fears that plague us. You know, and fears hit us in so many different ways. And he says, my father's house has many rooms. And he makes this really amazing promise. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, what I've not told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I heard a lesson one time about how this is actually wedding language. And where, where Jesus is using this language that the apostles would recognize. It's kind of like, you know, at a wedding you hear, do you so-and-so take so-and-so to be your lawfully wedded wife? Somebody says that, we know right away that's wedding language. They would recognize this. Jesus is proposing a commitment to us that he's preparing a place for us. He's choosing you. He knows your fears. He knows your worries. And he wants you to know that he's preparing for you to be with him forever. And he's setting you up to win, to be with him, to deal with those fears that we have here and now, and that he would make it known. And there's so much more here. You know, in Isaiah, I love this. He says, don't be afraid for I have redeemed you. I am calling you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through water, I will be with you. When you pass through rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you will not be scorched. The flame will not burn you, for I am Yahweh your God. And and what, 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 what amazes me is how committed God is to helping us feel secure, feel safe, feel unafraid by his love and by his commitment to us. In John 14, 18, of course, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And obviously Jesus is very aware of our hearts and he wants us to be at peace. He knows and he's very aware of the challenges we face and the dangers that are around us and whether they're lifelong dangers and lifelong challenges or like something happening right now. He wants us to, he clearly wants us to understand that he is here for us. He's here with us and that we can count on him, that he knows our hearts and he wants our hearts to not be troubled. I love the idea of being at peace or the idea of shalom, which is uh, one definition is a, a comprehensive well-being, being in harmony and security and serenity and the right relationships, wholeness, health, prosperity, even success. They all are in that word, shalom. You know, it's not just hello and goodbye. It's so much more. And honest, obviously, to be what we're called to be, to be the light of the world, which the darker things get, the lighter, the, the brighter the light shines. And how much so right now, how important is it that we're shining, that we're confident, that we're finding shalom, that we're setting ourselves up to be confident in God 
when people are panicking and people are scared. It's in times of trouble when we shine the brightest, when Christians make the difference. So what do we do? Well, here's just some practicals. We focus on Jesus, number one. As we focus on Jesus, what does that mean? We're reading about him. We're in the Gospels. We're, 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 we're setting our minds on Jesus. And we see his devotion not only to, to the world, to the lost, but to us, right? Number two, that we be praising God. You know, I, I was, when I've thought a lot about praise and trying to grow in praise. And I understand that really the benefactor of praise is not so much God. It's not like God's insecure and he needs us to make him feel better about himself. It's for us because we realize how powerful he is when we're praising him. Uh, number three, that to identify our fears. You know, we need to know what the truth is. We need to know what am I afraid of? And again, whether that's a, a conflict in a relationship that you're having, you have to stop and ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Or it's during difficult times. What, what is my fear? Thinking that through. The truth will set you free. Or number four, thanking God for his blessings. Uh, when we thank God for his blessings, again, it's not for God's sake. It's for our sake. Because it reminds us of how committed he is to us and how much, how great his love is for us. And then what we're going to do now right afterwards, we take communion. And you experience and you remember and you recognize his devotion, his level of commitment to each of us. That he would go through everything to, to, to help us, to to show his love to us, to convince us. As Romans 8, as Paul wrote in Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I mean, you might just need to go back and read that whole chapter because it's awesome. The instructions that God gives us. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters share in the heavenly calling. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Or chapter 12 of Hebrews, we must never stop looking to Jesus. He is the leader of our faith, and he is the one who makes our faith complete. That's the easy reader version. I love the way they put it. Uh, or Colossians 3.1, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things of above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. These are, these are uh, you know, one term for this is spiritual disciplines of just making sure we're setting ourselves on God, that we're setting our minds, that we're setting our hearts, that we're doing this in the morning, we're doing this in the afternoon, that we're reading scripture, that we're not forgetting. Why? Why is this so important? Because we need to have a great walk with God. Not just know God, but know God. Not just be known by God, but be known by God that we're walking with him, that our relationship is such that when I'm tired, he refreshes me. When I'm hurting, he heals me. When I'm afraid, he gives me peace. When I'm lonely, he accompanies me. When I am weak, he strengthens me. When I am tempted, he empowers me. When I am broken, he fixes me. When I'm lost, he guides me. When I'm lacking, he fulfills me. When I'm overpowered, he empowers me. That kind of relationship that comes from really setting our eyes, setting our heart, fixing our thoughts on Jesus. And as we take communion, 
we look at that list again of what are we afraid of? What, what, what plagues are us as people? Well, the fear of death, the fear of suffering, the fear of loneliness, of being unloved, being worthless, being unimportant, being powerless. All these are dealt with by the cross. Jesus overcame death and set us free from the fear of death. He suffered for us. His commitment is to keep us with him forever. He's shown his love beyond doubt. He has shown how worth, how worth or how valuable we are to him, how important we are to him. And he's shown it with the great power of the resurrection, that he overcame death and won death. So in these times of trouble, and we're, we're definitely going through it. I mean, the whole world's feeling it. And we should be aware of that. Our neighbors are struggling. School, work. We need to be the ones who keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to be the ones who are focused on God's promises, on God's love, on Jesus' love. And what that means to us and the peace that comes from that. Thank you everybody for listening and I hope that helps you. Let's 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 go we'll end with a prayer as we take communion. Father God, thank you for your love and your devotion to each of us. Help us to understand how much you care about us, to understand the truth about you and your love and your commitment to each of us and and to not fear God, to be full of faith and be full of love so that we can shine, so that we can reach out to everybody around us and set an example for all the unbelievers and be a light that shines in the world, especially this week, especially right now, as so many are in need. And help us to remember those who are sick, those who are weak, those who are elderly, to serve and to, and to, and to be what we need to be for our brothers and sisters, for our neighbors, for our families. We thank you, God. We, we thank you as we, for those of us who are, t- are taking communion now as we eat this bread and we drink this cup. Help us to focus our minds and hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody. We'll be doing this all week, Monday mor- starting Monday morning, 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. Hope to see you there. Love to everybody. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.